0: Good morning, we have come to week five of our series uh, for the summer, Hard Sayings in the Bible, this week we have a particularly challenging text, um, in my opinion, uh, a text in which Jesus refers to the Canaanite woman as a dog. Not only that, she seems to accept this and willfully relegate herself to a lower social status. Now, being called a dog in any culture is hardly a compliment. And to value oneself only enough to eat the crumbs that fall from a table, well, that simply is a foreign concept to us. Certainly we must have more self-esteem and self-worth and dignity than that. And so what is going on here? How are we to understand this story of Jesus and the Canaanite woman? Well, what I would encourage you to do is open your Bibles. Maybe you've got an app on your phone or you brought your Bible with you. Um, if, if you don't have an app, go to the App Store really quick. Um, you can download it. Don't get sidetracked by games. Um, there, there's a Bible app. The ESV Bible app is, is the one I really like. And it's free, and you can download it right this second. Um, but we are going to be in Matthew chapter 15, and it might be helpful if you are able to follow along. Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28 the story of the Canaanite woman. Now the main point, and what I want all of us to be able to leave this place and bring home with us, is this. God's grace has no borders for those who recognize their need for a Savior. God's grace towards us is boundless, without boundary, when we recognize our need for a Savior. That is what is going on in this passage. And so, here we go with verse 21. We've come to this point in the story with Jesus and his disciples. And frankly, they need a vacation. It says in verse 21, they, they um, came in, no, let's see, verse 21. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. He, he left Judea. He left Galilee. He left the, the, the Galileans who were following him around and asking for signs and miracles and teachings. They were, even when he tried to get away to a deserted corner of the lake, they, they came and found him. He left the Pharisees and Sadducees and Jewish leaders who wanted to pin him down and challenge him at every corner on his theology and what he believed and who he believed he was. They needed a break, a vacation. And so they were trying to get a little R and R, and recharge for the next season of ministry. And they went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, far removed from Jewish territory. Uh, interesting correlation here. Our Old Testament lesson was a prophet who who preserved right the the bread for the the Canaanite widow in the widow of Zarephath. That was in the region of. Tyre and Sidon. And so there is a connection here. It is not unprecedented for Jesus to go up there. However, when they got there, they had no intention of initiating ministry. They wanted to rest and relax, and they were afforded no opportunity to do so. They're approached by this Canaanite woman, and she wants to have Her daughter healed. Her daughter's possessed by a demon. She comes up to Jesus. She says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Right there, verse 23. Have mercy on me. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Jesus ignores her. We'll talk about that in just a second. And she goes on to the disciples. And she says, can you heal my daughter? Get Jesus to heal my daughter. Can you help me? And she was persistent. Even to the point where the disciples come to Jesus and say... Jesus, can't you do something about this? Get her away from us. If you have to heal her daughter, heal her. But but let this woman leave so we can finally relax. Now, the fact that she's a Canaanite is quite important. Canaanites are the arch enemies of the nation of Israel. The arch enemies, the Canaanites inhabited the land, the promised land, um, when Abraham was given the promise by God. And and God said to Abraham, this is going to be your land and the land of your descendants, but not yet. Not yet. And so some 400, 500 years later, um, Abraham's descendants are finally given the opportunity to enter the promised land. And they go, we read this in Joshua, they cross the Jordan River and they enter the promised land. And God's command was that it was time for the sins of the Canaanites to be judged. And they were to be judged by God's people, the Israelites. As God turned the land over to them, he said to drive out the Canaanites. You must not leave any behind. Why did God say that? Well, he knew that the impure religion of the Canaanites and the false gods of the Canaanites, if they were left behind, they would corrupt God's people. Israel didn't listen. Israel did leave Canaanites behind. And the false religion of the Canaanites corrupted God's people. It led to their exile. And so these are arch enemies. If there was any class of people, any class of Gentiles who could be the most impure, it would be the Canaanites. And that explains to us a little bit about Jesus' response to her and then again to his disciples. In verse 23, he just completely ignores her. He did not answer her a word. Then his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answers his disciples, I was sent only to the lost sheep. Of Israel, I was sent only to Israel. I wasn't sent to this woman. This phrase has been used in Matthew's gospel when he's sending his followers out into the towns to proclaim the kingdom of God. He says, "Only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Don't go to Gentile towns. Only go to Israelite towns." Now, to be sure, Jesus had already already healed one Gentile, the centurion's servant, and he he. Um, he heralded the great faith of this Roman army officer. And he would go on to say, many will come from the east and the west to recline at the table of Abraham. But what he's saying now is not yet. I have come only to the lost sheep of Israel. And this is how God's promises are going to be fulfilled, right? That was the promise to Abraham. That, that, that Israel, Abraham's descendants, they would be a light to all the nations. And so God selects, he elects a people, he raises them up, he gives them the law. He says, this is what it looks like to be my people. Live that way and shine your light to the world. So that all the nations may be blessed. And Jesus is a Jewish messiah. So he's come to, recon, re, to rescue the Jewish people, to rescue Israel, so they can finally fulfill God's promise. And so he ignores this Canaanite woman. He tells the disciples, She is not my primary mission. It's not her. It's not her. But look, friends, look at the persistence of this woman. She came to Jesus, verse 25. She came, she knelt before him, and she said, Lord, help me. And Jesus responds, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Jesus is steadfast. I'm not here for you. I'm not giving the bread of Israel to the Gentile dogs. This is a derogatory term by all accounts. Um, now, sometimes you'll, you'll hear folks say, well, this is a, referencing a house pet. You know, there's a, a term for dog that's harsher than this, and the one he's using now is he's referencing a house pet, a cute little doggy in a house. And so that somehow makes it better or some, something. Um, this is a derogatory term, though. And it's used by the Gentiles for the Jewish population, and Jesus is taking it now as his own. And yet this woman persists. Isn't she amazing? And she says, yes, Lord, verse 27, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. What a remarkable exchange. Jesus has, in no uncertain terms, told this woman that he's not there to help her. That he's there for other people and not for her. But the woman challenges him. I think even our translation obscures this a little bit as to what what she's saying. It sounds like she's accepting it. Yes, Lord, but perhaps we could go around it by by you could give me the crumbs. I I don't think it's like that. I think she's refuting Jesus. And he says, so think of it this way. He says... It's not right to take the children's bread, and, or to take the master's bread and throw it to the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And the woman responds, think of it this way. She says, yes, Lord, it is right. It is right to give us this bread. Because even the dogs gather up the crumbs under the master's table. It is right. Why is Jesus speaking to this woman? In this way? There's not really a clear answer. And so, what we have to do is take what we know about Jesus, okay, and take what we know about this story and consider what's going on. And so, what do we know about Jesus? Well, Jesus loves sinners, Jesus dines with the outcasts, He dines with the tax collectors, right? Jesus reaches out to those with leprosy. He is a man who goes after the unclean. And in this story, this woman eventually will be commended, right, for her great faithfulness. And so Jesus doesn't have ill will to her. I think what he's doing is challenging her. I think he's bringing out some things in her that he wants to see the depth and the greatness of her faith. It's like a teacher who might argue the wrong position, right, to get the students to, to, to come up and to see how deeply they know the answer to the question, You might say he's being the devil's advocate, but you wouldn't want to say that because it's Jesus. (laughs) But he's taking that approach. And so he says to her, aren't you a dog? Aren't you just a Gentile dog? Aren't we Israelites supposed to have nothing to do with you? I can't give their bread to Gentile dogs, can I? And she says, Lord, yes, you can. Because that's God's plan. That's how it's laid out. And so when Jesus challenges her, he draws out two remarkable things about this woman. One, she has begun to grasp God's plan for the salvation of the world. This Canaanite woman, this pagan woman, sees the plan of Israel's God for the salvation of the world. She's already shown a significant insight into who Jesus is. She calls him the son of David, a term for the Messiah. She sees more about Jesus than most of Israel. She recognizes that he is the one that will fulfill God's promise. And that by rescuing Israel, God will also bless the Gentiles. Yes, Lord, I know you're here for the Israelites. But your blessing to them is a blessing to all the nations of the world. So she has a deep understanding of God's plan of salvation. But she also understands who she is. She accepts her status, right, as a Gentile. She accepts her status before God. She gets on her knees. She doesn't argue her worth. You know, in our culture, we might refute Jesus and say, well, look, you say that, but look, here are the good things I've done. Certainly you could have mercy on me. I'm a pretty good person. She doesn't. Lord, have mercy on me is her cry because she knows her status. She knows she's unworthy before the Messiah. And so she's humble and asking for mercy. It's not on account of who she is or what she's done, but on account of Jesus himself. And Jesus responds. He commends her faith. He has mercy on her and her daughter. Right there in verse 28. Jesus answered her, "O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Daughter was healed because of the great faith of this woman. And so, as we come to a close, let us remember the main point of this passage God's grace has no borders for those who recognize their need for a Savior. There is no boundary to the grace of God. This Canaanite woman would be completely outside of any boundary that would constitute purity or cleanliness for a Jewish person, and yet Jesus has abundant grace towards her because of her great faith. Is this not a complete contrast to this world that we live in? This world where status and admiration and even love from others, they all have borders and limits and conditions where jobs depend on performance, where social status depends on our clothing or our cars or our house. Are you a good mom or dad? Well, take a look at your friend's Facebook posts because I promise you, you're not good enough. The status that is conditional on who we are and what we can do. And yet with God, there's no border. There's no boundary, there's no condition to his love. We hear that every week in our, in our liturgy after the confession. We have the, the comfortable words, right? Where we hear things like, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Come to me, all ye who are weary, and I will refresh you. There's no border to the grace of God. And then finally, there's no border to the grace of God for those who know and recognize their need for a Savior. This Canaanite woman was humble before the Messiah, even facing a difficult, difficult challenge to her faith. She didn't, um, she didn't get angry. She didn't get frustrated. She was humble enough to recognize her need for Jesus, to be rescued. Friends, we need to be rescued, and not only from an evil world, certainly from that. The, the day-in and day-out evil in this world can be um, oppressive, But just as significantly, if not more so, we need to be rescued from our own sinfulness. We've rejected God, friends. We turn from Him. Even, Even when we've accepted God, don't we still reject Him, right, at the same time? We need mercy. We need to come to God recognizing our unworthiness. We can't come before Him and say, look, I've been to church three out of four weeks this month. That's pretty good. I read my Bible most days, right? It doesn't work. Lord, have mercy on us. We're not worthy. And again, in our liturgy, we, we bring that up week in and week out. Before we come to communion, to dine at the table of the Lord, we, we say, Lord, we're not even worthy to gather up the crumbs under your table. But you are the same Lord who always delights in showing mercy. We come as unworthy servants. Needing grace and mercy. When we do that, we find that God provides an abundance and without condition. Let's pray.